0: With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to TNTradio.live. You're with David Curtin and today's news talk, TNT.
1: Hello and welcome to The David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin here on today's News Talk TNT. Now, we need to talk about free speech because free speech is under attack, as I'm sure you know, not just from the cultural Marxist left, if you like, but also unwittingly at the moment from the free speech right and people who have advocated for free speech and freedom up to now, there is a trap being laid and people are being baited to fall into it. Let's just go back a little bit in history and look at where free speech comes from in the West, because free speech is not something that everybody has enjoyed through all of history. And it's not something that people enjoy all around the world. If you suffer under the Chinese Communist Party or severe Islamic regimes, you don't have freedom of speech. But in the West, it's generally assumed that it is a condition of living and we take it for granted. But we should not do and it hasn't come from nowhere and it has been hard fought for In England, we are especially blessed because we had the glorious revolution of 1688. That put an end to 150 years of Catholics and Protestants fighting each other where one side would gain the throne and they would curtail the free speech of the other side, put them in prison, sometimes kill them. And then the other side came to the throne and they'd do the same to their enemies, if you like. The Toleration Act that came out of the Glorious Revolution in 1689 put an end to that, and it said it doesn't matter whether you're Catholic or Protestant or Nonconformist or non-religious at all. You have complete freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of belief, and freedom of expression. It is not the job of the state to regulate what you can say and to curtail what you say. That consensus has held, up to now, To to some extent, but certainly up to the 1960s, completely unchallenged. The thing is that this was in a culture in England which was deeply and profoundly Christian. And so most people had the same values and the same general principles, even if they might deliver and differ on religious beliefs and so on. Now, in the 1960s, there was a cultural revolution in the West, as I'm sure you know. There was profound social change. What was quite famous about the 60s were the student protests and riots, in some cases, in 1968. Um, They spread around the world and students agitated for change as part of what was called the New Left. They held up placards celebrating and lionizing the three ideological heroes of the 1960s Western Cultural Revolution, Marx, Mao, and Marcuse. Now, most of you, in fact, all of you, I imagine, have heard of Marx and have heard of Mao, but you probably never heard of Herbert Marcuse. He was a professor and ideologue of the Frankfurt School, notorious for inventing and developing cultural Marxism. In 1965, he wrote an essay which was called Repressive Tolerance. And the thesis of that essay was that Western society, which was Christian or conservative or traditional, was tolerant only of its own principles, but repressive to anyone else, particularly the ideas and the, the new liberal, liberalism that the new left wanted to bring in. So he suggested two things that this repressive tolerance needed to be inverted so that there would be tolerance of left-wing ideas and certain kind of things which until then were considered degenerate and then those people who had the upper hand up until the cultural revolution needed to be repressed so what happened in the new left in the 60s with the cultural revolution there was all kind of free speech advocating for things that beforehand were considered wrong if not wicked such as pornography, promiscuity, paedophilia, liberation of homosexuality, abortion, married divorce liberation, the, the proliferation of drugs and gambling, and so on. All of these things, to, to my mind and to many minds are degenerate you may disagree but you have the freedom of speech to do so those were brought in and the people on the new left had the upper hand culturally and socially and brought them in and then later on introduced repressive measures either laws or or social conditioning in order to shut people up and silence people. So if you disagreed with some of those things, you're called a homophobe or a transphobe or a misogynist. There's all kinds of hate laws which have been brought in to curtail people's freedom of speech. After then, there was a counter move by mostly people on the right advocating for free speech in order to be able to say things that they said before, traditional values, Christian values, conservative principles, which were suppressed by the repression of Marcuse's repressive tolerance. Then the new the right, if you like, the freedom movement stood up and said, we want free speech to be able to say what we want to say. And the mantle of free speech very much passed from the left, the new left over to the right and to the freedom movement. But today there is a trap being baited, and this follows on particularly in the United Kingdom from the events in Parliament last week, where there is now a narrative that there is Islamism in the UK which is anti-Semitic, and a lot of people are agitating now, who were previously for freedom of speech against the right of people to go on the streets and call for a ceasefire in Israel and Gaza. Those marches are being labelled as hate marches, and people disturbingly on the right or in the freedom movement to some extent are mirroring the very strategies of the new left in calling people names, anti-Semitic, homophobic, etc., and calling them hateful in order to try to cancel and curtail the freedom of speech of people who want to go out and protest against what's happening in Gaza. Now, I am not getting involved personally in any of these marches. As as I've said many times, I'm not pro-Israel, I'm not pro-Palestine, but I have called for a ceasefire because I don't want people to continue to be slaughtered in what's happening in the Middle East. But I think we have to be very, very careful in not mirroring the language of the new left in in smearing these marches as hate marches and saying that if you go on one, you are a Hamas supporting terror supporter. Because if you do that, you're falling into the trap of agitating against free speech. It's very difficult, I know, because these things are generating high emotions. But we need to think clearly about what's going on here and continue to support free speech both in the UK and around the world even if it's for things that we don't support and we think that some people may find offensive that is what we've always said and that's what we need to continue to do this is today's news talk tnt
0: delivering the facts source i can trust today's news talk radio
1: TNT. tnt Hello, welcome back. I'm David Curtin on The David Curtin Show here on today's News Talk TNT. And I have with me Gemma Cooper, our resident news reporter and journalist, who is going to tell us about what's going on today. Welcome to the show, Gemma.
2: Hello there, David. Well, it's funny, you know, your editorial plays right into the hands of the story that's just broken in the last hour and a half since I was last on air actually here at TNT. And it's course, the Lee Anderson story, the story that generated so many headlines over the weekend with his remarks about Sadiq Khan and Islam and London, uh, saying that uh, Sadiq Khan had effectively given London over to Islamists, and 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 our glorious capital city was was being ruined because uh, he was giving it over to his Muslim friends. Of course, it's generated huge amounts of headlines over the weekend, huge amounts of comment and analysis. The Prime Minister this morning uh, came out eventually after forty eight hours and said that Lee Anderson's comments were wrong, and that's why the whip was uh, suspended. Um, he, he's under criticism for not actually coming out at the time uh, on Saturday and saying no, th- this is why. He's had the whip suspended. He's taken a long time to sort of say no; these comments are wrong. But in the last hour and a half, Lee Anderson himself has finally uh, come out and and said why he said what he said at the start of the weekend. Um, he hasn't apologized still. So he said he's refusing to apologize for his comments. He says his comments were clumsy, but he does stand by them. His quote is: "If you are wrong, um, apologizing is a. If you are wrong and you apologize, it's a sign of strength. If you get it wrong and you apologize, it's a sign of strength." However, he then goes on to say, if you think you are right, you should never apologize because that is a sign of weakness. Uh, He does say it was not his intention to upset anyone. And then he says, I believe in free speech. I believe in free speech and I have 100 percent respect for people of all backgrounds. And he caveats his comments. Actually, he says the majority of Muslims in this country are not Islamists. They're decent, hardworking citizens who make an amazing contribution to our society. Their religion should not be blamed for a tiny minority of extremists. My words may have been clumsy, but they were born out of sheer frustration at what is happening to our beautiful capital city. So that's Lee Anderson's take. He's not apologizing. He is sticking by his words. He's saying they were clumsy, but he does mean them, and they were born out of frustration. But of course, it does play into what you're talking about with free speech, because he does say also in these comments, he says, you know, hundreds of people have been arrested at pro-Palestinian rallies for racist abuse, uh, and he says you don't hear a peep out of the mayor when it's anti-Semitism. Um, and the mayor says nothing, and yet, you know, I'm being pillarized for talking about Islam. But of course, it's right. It's the polarization of debate. It, it's mm. it's what you were saying about free speech. How far do you take free speech before it's hate speech? And how you know, how much as well is the freedom movement and the right being led down that garden path of cultural Marxism? Um, but he mm. has come out. He has he has said why he said what he said, he has set it into context. He hasn't apologized. And of course it has caused this huge row of whether the Conservative Party is roughed roughed with you know Islamophobia. And as much as the Labour Party is accused of being, you know, riddled with anti Semitism. This is the debate we're now having about our two main political parties in the year of a general election. It'll be interesting to see what reaction those comments do garner. Apparently, he's been on social media. I've seen a few posts he's put out. He's had a lot of support, he says. He'd like to thank everybody, um, and it's a, it's a particular hot potato. I, I've never you know seen so many headlines about this one thing in the weekend. It was just absolutely everywhere, and the debate is still ongoing today. But that's Lee Anderson's take on it uh, as it stands in the UK this afternoon. It's
1: incredible. This is a story which is just run and run and run. It looks like it's going to run for the next week or the next couple of weeks because people, it seems, are desperate to stir up tension here and get everyone to support one side or the other. But, you know, this came after the projection onto Big Ben of the words um, stop the bombing, ceasefire now from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Um, The the Metropolitan Police said apparently that they weren't going to do anything because no crime had been committed. But then you've got different factions, some saying, well, this is a crime, this is actually tantamount to terrorism. And then you've got other people saying, well, this is just free speech, whatever. My take actually is that the original people that actually used that phrase, from the river to the sea, was actually the Likud party in, Israel, Netanyahu's party, who wants to control the territory between the river and the sea, and the Palestinians have taken that on board, and they say it as well. So, you know, I think people should have free speech, and whoever uses it may offend somebody. But, you know, it was an incredible PR coup, whoever did that, to get that shone on Big Ben. But this has led to all kinds of uh, subplots and, and people saying things, and Lee Anderson is is a big example of that. I mean he, he said yeah he's, he's made comments against Sadiq Khan but what did he say that he was controlled by Islamists I actually don't think that's true but he was right to say that was a little bit clumsy I think but you know there is certain concern that there are Islamist elements in the pro-Palestinian marches but there are also lots and lots of genuine people who don't want tens of thousands more people to be killed uh, in bombing raids. And and I think that, you know, you have to let those people express themselves.
2: And, of course, Lee Anderson would say Mm. that he should be free to express himself as well and to Mm. have that particular opinion, Uh, although a Mm. lot of people obviously don't agree. There seems to be some people that do. Some commentators, Mm. you know, have said that he has captured what some of the British public are thinking, whether it's right or not, whether you agree with it or not, it, it, if you just sweep under the carpet, as you rightly say, David, at the start, you know, uh, other people's opinions that you don't agree with that might offend you, then you're left in a room on your own eventually, aren't you? Because so, yeah. uh, along the line, even your best mate is going to say something that's going to offend you, or that's it, then we'll cancel you as well. Your mum, your dad, you can't, you just, it's not humanly possible, is it? Um, but of course, the definition of free speech and hate speech, I think that's, what, that's where the fine line is is when you're talking about people's races and religions at a time of heightened global tension. I mean, Rishi Sunak did say earlier this morning, you know, at a time when global tensions are running massively high, uh, people should choose their words with care and we should all be thinking about what we say before we say it because we are in a very tense situation globally with what's happening in the Middle East. I mean, But we're human, aren't we? We say things Mm -hmm. and he says, my words were born out of frustration. He doesn't say my words are born out of hate and malice, he says frustration. I've no doubt he's been advised in what to put in this statement but which one of us has not said things or even done things you know goodness knows i have Mm. that you later look back and think oh maybe i shouldn't have said that maybe I shouldn't have done that um but luckily Mm. we're not you know we're not politicians well you are a politician actually yeah i am and i
1: do have to be very careful about what i say i mean half the time i write things to post on social media and i think i shouldn't really put that out because it might get this reaction or a negative reaction but it it is you know really yeah things that you you put out which sometimes you consider to be completely innocuous, will sometimes trigger huge amounts of people into a reaction that you didn't expect. And it's like, well, you know, I can't help that. If people want to be offended about something, they, they can be offended. But, you know, th- to be honest with you, I would get rid of the whole concept of hate in law because hate is an emotion. And what does it actually mean? I mean, hate crime as such is just a normal crime, which if it's shown to be motivated by one of these... Um, you know, words that they use, homophobic or transphobic or uh, anything that is Islamophobic or anti-Semitic, then you get a sentence uplift on the crime. But what people are trying to do is actually make specific laws about anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and homophobia. They're ready to go. You know, you've got the international holocaust remembrance association has made a definition of anti-semitism they're getting a lot of people to agree with it that's ready to go and some people are ready to make that into a self-standing law you've also got the all-party political group on british muslims has got a definition of islamophobia that's ready to go and be to be transposed into an actual law um banning certain statements about islam if you like so that's where this is going and it's very very dangerous and my my the point of my um editorial monologue at the beginning was to try to warn people not to fall into the trap of agitating against one of these things or other and mirroring what the left and the cultural Marxist left have been doing, because otherwise we might find our own freedom of speech taken away for things that we want freedom of speech for. Anyway, Gemma, thank you so much for joining me and uh, talking about that very important story today. This is today's news talk,
0: TNT. TNT's Misty Winston.
3: We've really seen uh, the the attacks on press freedom have always existed. Powerful people do not like their secrets exposed. Um, That's a no-brainer, right? And so there's always been attacks on press freedom. However, there has been a significant and marked increase. I think really, um, it started kicking off really under Bush, but certainly under Obama. That It really went into hyperdrive. uh, Trump took that and just absolutely ran with it. Um, I mean, he's the guy that had Assange arrested. Um, That really sets an unbelievable precedent just in general. And so now we're starting to see it spiral
0: out of control. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do, crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the missing information and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors we're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to tntradio.live and make a small donation to tnt while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission
2: are you sitting
0: comfortably? Oh yes yes And i'll begin even when you're just sitting around we're rocking the talk today's news talk radio tnt
1: Welcome back to the David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin here on today's News Talk TNT. And I'm really delighted to have with me today, Ian Jarvis. I met Ian at an event in uh, Wales, the uh, event of the Free Libertarians, where I was giving a speech and he was giving a speech as well. A very, very informative and knowledgeable speech on 5G. Um, Ian, I understand, has been working in the telecommunications industry for 30 years. So he's an expert on all things to do that and knows a a lot of the physics behind things uh, as well as the uh, things that we may generally talk about on social media so Ian lovely to have you with me welcome to the show
4: thank you David it's nice to see you
1: can I just correct
4: a little bit um, please I do I'm sorry in... no no it's okay I worked in the IT business I was uh, uh, initially a software uh writer designer this is going back to 1967 I might add um 1967 68 and um, so I then went and spent most of my career as a systems analyst, uh, yeah. working on mostly very large systems, actually through through the government. Yeah. So, um, so that that's the side I'm on, and I do actually have a degree in computing science, even dating back okay. to <laughs> nineteen to <laughs> uh, <so> yeah. <laughs> sort of that that date, nineteen seventy-six, I think, was my degree. <laughs> Excellent, so but lot... you
1: you talk, yeah, but you talk you talk a lot, and you go around the country talking about. 5G, which I know is something that concerns a lot of people. And the first time I saw a 5G tower was in my hometown in 2019. I thought, what's that? This is something new. I had no idea what it was. But then it soon became apparent that these things were going up all around the country. And, you know, to me, they looked horrible and ugly. That was the first thing. But then I started to become aware of the new types of radiation or the new frequencies of radiation that they were going to use. So, I mean, Ian, I'll just ask you a general question to start with, is 5g safe? And or is it something that we should be worried about?
4: It is something we should be worried about. Every time you see a quote, uh, either either in writing or verbally, uh, where they say, um there is no evidence So what they always do is they put in a word like compelling there is no mm-hmm. compelling evidence that it is harmful there is no significant evidence convincing a- evidence so they always have to put in that word that tells me that they quite clearly know there is some evidence and there is masses and masses of um of research serious scientific research as well as articles and uh, and articles and, and news news things as well um i mean even in 2000 and no in 1973 the u.s navy department of science published a document which was simply a list of research articles up till then 2300 in right. 1973 so And the first early researches that showed that uh, electromagnetic frequencies can break down the blood-brain barrier were as early as the early 70s, around about that time, a little bit before that. uh, uh, Quite now, latterly famous uh, scientist called Alan Frey was one of the first, and that has been uh, reproduced even fairly recently. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the scientists now um who but more than one scientist have reproduced that so yes we should be worried david you, you you're right and they are ugly uh and yeah, they know, enough, a bit. yeah yeah funnily enough <laughs> if you want to complain about one being put in your street that is a very good argument against it
1: um <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we're told that these things are going to be for our benefit for our convenience that we'll be able to stream movies you know much faster uh, you know when you're driving in your car and so on and then also going to set up all these wonderful connections so that you can control your your home from your smartphone and all this kind of things i mean uh is this something that uh is, is going to be good for us or, or you know is the is this is this just propaganda or is there a darker side to this as well?
4: Well, I I think, um, I think you're onto the right, uh, right message here, David. Most people I talk to say, Well, I don't need it any faster, I can't cope with it already. Um, Mm -hmm. And why do you want to to download a a video in a a few seconds, when it's still going to take you 90 minutes to watch it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a sort of separation. The reason that I think um the speed and the the low latency which is a very fast response time that's that's the phrase they use low latency um is because they want it for other things whoever they is you know mm-hmm. that the, the telecoms company the government's whatever every time you see something going up in the street you know it's going to have sensors on it Uh, sensors for, yes, some very sensible ones possibly for air monitoring can do that, but also face recognition recording, um, uh, voice recording, things like that are gradually going up around the streets. The capability, they may not be doing them now. I don't know, uh, my honest answer to that, and I really do mean don't know. Uh, I can make lots of guesses. And then there's things like um, uh, AI, which needs a lot of a lot of processing power and and AI uses an awful lot more um, electricity power than um, that than just doing a normal search. Uh, I can't remember what the actual amount is. But if you know, when they're putting this under the guise of saving the the planet with climate emergency, and the power usage is enormous, going to increase enormously. Mm -hmm. So that's another disadvantage. But yes, I think robotics, AI um, and all the what they're calling the Internet of Things, you know, everything, everything will be controllable by a Wi-Fi link. Um, Well, let's
1: talk about that. We'll have a quick break. And that is a big topic, the Internet of Things. Let's come back. We'll talk about that after this break. This is today's news
0: talk, TNT. This news just in TNT Radio News. Ready? Go, go, go. Matt Boylant here with a look at your TNT
4: headlines. Washington's resurrecting its Russia playbook, warning Moscow could try to interfere with this year's presidential election. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley suffered an embarrassing defeat, losing to Donald Trump in her home state of South Carolina. And Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed to
0: raid the city of Rafa, regardless of whether a ceasefire or hostage deal is agreed upon or not. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio.
1: Welcome back to The David Curtin Show. I'm David Curtin here on today's News Talk TNT. And I have Ian Jarvis with me, who is an expert on 5G. And we were just talking about this. There's so much to talk about because it's such a big topic. But you were beginning to explain to us what the Internet of Things is. Um, that's a term that not yeah not everyone would have heard of. Can you tell us a bit more about that and, and why telecommunications companies want 5G in order to be able to create this?
4: Well, yeah, I think it starts really with the smart meters because they're they're being introduced now uh, and put on as many houses as they can persuade uh, because they will connect back to the tele, not the telecom company, but the the gas or the electricity company. They don't have to send somebody out to um, to, to check your meter, so it saves them money um, in that respect, and it also loses somebody a job or lots of people a job um i was also reading about self-driving buses now now our own government has put out a big document um uh quite recently actually i think it was towards the end of last year i was reading through it and they are very proud of the fact that they want to have self-driving buses and taxis Um, now if you know any bus drivers um you know I don't know if you live in London I know you were in London but I used
1: uh, to but yeah there's there's yeah. thousands of buses in London yeah, yeah.
4: You, this is going to put thousands if not millions of people out of work if they do achieve that now will they achieve it I don't know um it's going to take an awful lot of technology a friend of mine was buying uh, a new uh, uh, a new gas um um boiler and, and the, the technician came and he said, where shall I put the uh, the remote um, controller? She says, I don't want it. To, I want just you replace the wired one that's in my <laughs> yes, wall there. Yeah. And he said, we <laughs> can't do that anymore. You know, So wow. those are the sorts of beginnings. And even a few years ago, I was sitting in a cafe with a friend of mine um, in London. And he said, I've got to leave my phone on Ian, because I'm expecting a parcel delivery. I said, oh, hmm. you'll have to nip off, will you? And he said, no, I can open the door from here. Um wow. so, and this was a, quite a few years ago. So that was already possible. You know, people driving home can turn use their smartphone to turn on their heating, for example, uh, hmm. or turn it off, or check you know, that that that's the sort of thing um that we are facing. So, and ultimately, so you won't even have to leave your house, of course. You can do everything. Like we you know, are doing the thing now. is,
1: you, you can do this, but someone else can do this as well. And this is what some people have been worried about. And I've even heard stories where people have got smart meters, and then the, the gas company or the electricity company have just turned off their electricity um, remotely, mm. and you can't do anything about it. I think that's right. There was, um,
4: it's either like last year or the year before when it was very hot in Central America, and people mm. discovered they couldn't turn their um the air conditioning sufficiently to keep them cool enough wow. okay they, okay you can argue they may have got used to it and and so we're turning it down too low but when they when several people complained to the 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 utility company they were told yes we've we put a prevent on it so it can't be turned down any more than wow. we say so yeah all that centralized control will be possible and even in um in the planning applications, you 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 will know, David, that all the masts that are going up have to have planning applications mm. Um, mm. under a special scheme, and uh, there's a, a company that is involved in that called Clark Telecom, and they have written five G is connected to the smart city agenda,
1: mm.
4: so that's why it's so important to for for people. You know, we talk about low traffic neighbourhoods they're coming up in several several towns and cities Oxford mm-hmm. Bath um and here in, in near Birmingham one of the uh suburbs of Birmingham Kings Heath is uh is fighting one of those at, at the moment uh mm-hmm. so they are being introduced and those are the things that ultimately will be controlled through all this internet of things um I mean, whether mm-hmm. and even yeah. self-driving cars all autonomous vehicles as they are um Sexily called,
1: yeah. This whole smart agenda is is something people are beginning to wake up to, but no one's asked anybody. There's never been any vote. There's never been any consultation that I know, although maybe there are, but they're very obscure, um, as, as to whether people want to completely have their lives and world transformed from something. I, I still live in an old cottage, so I have the benefit of switches that I put on by hand, so no one's going to tell me when I can switch my electricity on my heater on or off but people who buy a new house they don't have a choice and that, you know that's quite a disturbing story you mentioned about the person with the boiler and uh, getting a new boiler and they didn't have a choice to have a new boiler which didn't have a remote control um uh, you know so this this is very disturbing um but yeah. i want to ask you to too sorry we've got just like three or four minutes left so there's there's a couple of questions i really want to ask you now now the first one is the, the safety of the actual frequency of microwave radiation they use now i understand that they use a uh, new frequencies of radiation that have never been used before in te- in, in mobile telephony between three and 300 gigahertz mm-hmm. is that is that correct and and in, in, in are there is there are there greater dangers associated with those the, frequencies yeah the,
4: yeah uh, okay well the at the moment, what most of them are being put out are in what they call the low band, uh, mm. which is overlapping with 4G. So th- okay. that's, I think, in the UK um, now we are primarily using 2.4 gigahertz or around that, air, which mm. is your microwave oven as well, of course, and also around about 3.7 uh, gigahertz right. frequencies. Your router is often uh can also beam out at um and not beam out I won't use that word um uh, radiate at five gigahertz modern mm. routers okay so the frequency is is important there's the when we get onto the uh the internet of things and those things I've been talking about yes he goes up to the 20s and the 30s and the 40s gigahertz okay mm. now that's thousands of times um higher frequency than we're, we're seeing at the moment and never been used in the public domain there have been tests going on um there are certainly areas i think a lot of the sports centers sports stadiums in uh, particularly in america those huge great sports stadiums are using it so that people can do about three or four things on their mobile phone all at the same time um mm. and presumably watch the match as well uh, but uh, uh so so yes once we get to those very high levels these are the ones that um go a not quite so far uh but again yeah. nokia has said they will still go a mile some of them above that level um which is different to what we're being told and mm. um and yeah we really don't know they have been used in the military and lots of things come out of the military let's remember that and they're not all quite bad but yeah what we do know is they have been used um to, uh, as crowd control in, in different ways in the military of course we don't know everything about that because we're not told uh mm. but that's the sort of of range and the other thing is it's going to be a beam so instead of radiating like the tv and the radio or you know in, in a 360 degree circle it's going to be an individual beam so somebody makes wow. a phone call and the the idea is that the what they will have a beam on their onto their phone and um and somebody else next to them maybe might also have a a core a beam going to their phone so it'll be beams going over the place uh, it, it's uh it's difficult to describe the beams they call them collimated which are parallel beams mm. That's. Uh, yeah
1: this that does is. sound quite frightening i mean that sounds like the energy is going to be far far more focused and intense which uh, you may call may cause kind of problems as well uh, ian i would love to talk to you far more because there's so many more things i want to talk to you about particularly you know how you can fight these things but um we're out of time just for today thank you so much for coming on the show ian i'd love to have you back on again because i know when i i heard you in wales you spoke for over an hour but it was all really fantastic information so I'd love to get that out to the people. Thank you. Yeah, for coming I'd,
4: on the show. I'd be yeah. really pleased to come back again, and we can cover some more topics in detail, including what you were going to go into the applications for masks and things. Yes.
1: Yeah. absolutely. Thank you so much, Ian. This is today's new talk, new talk TNT.
0: De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective.
5: The United States has really been sold a bill of goods, and I've talked about this several times. I've talked about the people that are running this country are literally bullying the United States and it's hard to believe that the American people actually let them get away with it except that if you watch let's say Jesse Waters prime time sometimes and you see the man on the street interviews you realize these people and they're all voting know nothing about what's going on or maybe even less than nothing if That's possible. Now, it's fascinating. We talked about the coal plant issue a couple of days ago. How have carbon emissions changed since 2000? China is up 208%, India is up. 158%. Other countries are up 53%. The U.S. is down 10%. Europe is down 16%. Now, here is the question. How is the United States letting these other countries get away with it? And it's kind of simple to understand that the complacency and comfort of the capitalist system and freedom that has developed in the United States is building the road it's riding to its own death. Why? Because they're allowing our leaders to simply do whatever they want to do while other countries get away with it. And you want to know something? I don't have anything against China and India for trying to improve their way of life, but why is it the United States and Europe are committing suicide? This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility.
1: Hop in and buckle up.
5: So don't sweat the small stuff.
1: (laughs) You got paint all over
5: Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a
1: wiggly wiggly wig.
5: To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash
0: the right seat. David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to The David Curtin Show. I'm
1: David Curtin. This is today's News Talk TNT. I'm delighted to have with me today uh, in the show, Ryan Christian, who is the uh, the person who runs the Last American Vagabond website. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Now, thanks for coming on. You you write so many interesting things about all kinds of topics, whether it's COVID, lockdown, fluoride, injections, the Ukraine situation, the Israel-Gaza situation, and so on. But I, I think you, you, the last thing you wrote about was something, a very, very interesting article about Zionism. And that's something that since the 7th of October, people have been looking into a little bit more and asking questions about. It's maybe something that people had never heard of before um mm-hmm. but now have heard of almost everyone's heard of it can, can you tell us a little bit more about what you think that zionism is and is it something that um has an influence uh on us here in the west
3: yeah it's an excellent and and, and very important question for what's going on today first to your to your comment and your point about what we cover i think it's very interesting how much has changed i not not I, I not even just since like the COVID-19 time frame, but even before that little bit, but that these things we're discussing, if just casually thrown out there in conversation might get disregarded as conspiracy theory, or, you know, whatever those topics are. But what's interesting is most people today have come to realize that it's it's really it's not it's, it's not that we're saying here's what you should think about X, Y and Z. It's that we're highlighting these topics and we're saying, let's let's research these. Let's go through these with an open mind, with doing, do our due diligence and look at what we can find and what truth is there. And the point is that my audience knows is I've I don't shy away from talking about contentious things. And there's a reason I'm saying this now in regard to this topic, because the discussion of Zionism and its overlapping history is very contentious. And you'll see why the moment that we get into this topic, if you don't already know. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's important to state that in any of these conversations, I pride myself on being, you know, as I I, I jokingly say off on the show, irritatingly objective, like objective to a fault, Mm -hmm. because I think that's necessary today, you know, and that we only go with what we can prove. So that being said, and, and, and by before that, most of what I talked about before I got into a lot of the stuff I talk about today was just predominantly foreign policy, you know, and you find a lot of these overlaps. But so Zionism is and it, so for, for what people think of it today, you'll hear the conversation of these things being conflated. Right as Zionism is Judaism, Zionism is the state of Israel. That's that's not true, and and it's that's simply provable by history. But it's also provable by the many different Jewish organizations that would happily tell you they don't represent me. I this is I'm i this is not me. I don't agree with that. I don't even agree with the state of Israel, which is more and more a pr- quite prominent conversation today. But regardless of how large it is, there's a faction of people that are not re- that don't see rep- themselves as represented by Zionism. So Zionism is a political organization that goes back to. Uh, You know, it really goes back pretty far. And again, I'm not extremely the expert on this. I've been researching this over probably the last, I don't know, so many years, but specifically a lot since October 7th. But that it goes back before the beginning of Israel, let's put it that way. And this is an organization that was rooted in using terrorist activities, violent action, using violence to achieve political ends, which, by the way, is the definition of terrorism. But the Mm. important point to understand is this is all public information. This was a group that was knowingly carrying out terrorist attacks, doing horrific things to people in order to get what they would want. And and at this point, around the late 40s, early, like around just before that, actually, this is when they were trying to get Britain to respond and give them what they wanted. Essentially, this is the Belfort Declaration. That's what it could the form it took, which is where Britain essentially said, we're giving you Palestine. And that's an important historical point to understand. Now, this was done because they were bombing and attacking and, and terrorizing these areas for the most part. It was essentially trying to appease them. Now, the important part to understand in the history of this is that the argument is this was the Jewish land and this was what God gave the Jews. And what you'll hear from a lot of people that are speaking up is that this is a organization and one group that I prominently point out that I'm not uh, um, affiliated with, excuse me, but is really excellent in the way they relay the information. It's a group called Torah Judaism. They're all over the world. They're in the UK. They're in Israel, in fact, and they often get beat up by the IDF for protesting against Israel. But they'll tell you that this is it's it's Zionism is using Judaism to manipulate the Jewish people. They are hijacking the religion in order to achieve their ends, and they'll scream At you zionism is not judaism and this is a very important point Mm. to understand now we can get into a lot of different aspects that are much more contentious about their history Mm. and their connection to other extremist organizations right up until this very day which is important to ukraine but also going back to things like the nazi organization in germany or, or nazi party and this is again it's such an interesting topic because the core foundation of Zionism is that this was the, the state of Israel was built in order to defend itself against threats like Nazi Germany, right? That's the, the Holocaust right. is a primary aspect of this. And what's interesting is you'll find on the record. I mean, for crying out loud, you can look it up on Wikipedia that they twice the Lehigh Party, which was a foundational aspect of Zionism, tried to align itself with Nazi Germany twice. And Dan Cohen has done excellent work on this, showing that even once the final solution had begun, they were still trying to align themselves with Nazi Germany in order to get what they wanted was on the record, a fascist state and which later we called Israel. And and it's important to see how that played out. And how it was it, it, people like Avi Shalom, who is a very highly regarded historian, uh, a, a British Israeli historian who often speaks on these topics, would talk about how in, in the beginning of this, before the territorial dimensions of Zionism, which is Israel, that they were bombing Iraqi Jews in order to get them to flee into the right. state of Israel. And this is all on the record. And this was being done by agents of Mossad. I mean, and there's all these different elements of this that you can prove. Now, I'll go ahead and pause because I'm sure we could go in a thousand different directions. But yes. there's a <laughs> lot of history that, that you can prove right there. That And you can see why this is so very contentious because there are people whose entire identity has been built around this. And I'm not saying they shouldn't believe these things. That's up to that's their personal choice. Mm. But just realize that it is not this broad stroke, you know, represents all Jewish people in the world. That's just not true
1: yeah I mean th- there's so many questions I could ask you about this but the, th- the thing is this is new information but you do a great job because as you say it's all researched it's all referenced so people can look at the videos you put up and the articles you put up and then actually look at all of the individual documentation that leads you to you know say the things that you say because it's not you you it's, it's all provable in history and so on but right. anyway, one interesting thing to me is you say there's this group called Torah Judaism which is against Zionism but and and also that goes along with some reaction that I've had, you know, I'm a Christian, but there's a lot of people who are Christians who have have actually said they're not going to support me anymore because I've called for a ceasefire in Gaza. And they see that as being anti-Israel or anti-Jewish or anti-God or even anti-Judeo-Christian and so on. But there's also in Judaism, and a lot of people don't know this, you know, people, people, a lot of Christians know about the Torah, of course, which is the Old Testament, um, you know, without the New Testament. But there's also the Talmud. And a lot of people don't even know of the Talmud's existence, let alone what's in the Talmud. I mean, does, do you think Zionism comes more, is it there a basis for Zionism in the Talmud itself? Or or is that sort of a, a misconception?
3: Well, again, and this is more a question for for theologists and like the different because you have to understand what's interesting is that, you know, I, I just played an interesting clip from a person mm. citing the Torah, the Torah as his logic for why God tells him to kill Muslims. Right. So mm. what, and you'll find this in any context in, in Christian discussions. You'll I mean, you if you read through the Bible, you'll find some pretty incredibly crazy passages that you probably mm. didn't know were there. That's like, wow, that's. Calling for violence or, you know, th- th- you'll find this in any of these historical mm. religious documents, you know, and it, most of us today go, oh, that's a different time. We don't practice that anymore. And, you know, and that's that's in any of them. that's Judaism. That's that's Muslims. That's any of this. Right. And you'll find this yeah. pretty commonly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what's interesting to me, the reason I state that is just to say that anybody could probably gl- take what they want from what they're reading and, and, and believe a certain mm. thing. Or misinterpret it, But what's important to point out, I would argue, and this is what's the, the whole crux of what I see this as. And this is what they mean when they say that Zionism is manipulating Judaism. They're hijacking it in a sense, is that they don't, ar- they arguably, and this is, I'm sure it's a mixed bag when you get into how long this has been happening, don't believe in the religion. This is a oh. manipulation. It's about you like, going back to Herzl and the mm. origins of Zionism. This I actually just saw a really great great clip. I think it was from Howard University, where a a historian is speaking on. This topic and basically just expressing the reality that Herzl said himself that he was an atheist, that he doesn't believe in God and this and right. ultimately ended up you beginning what became Zionism. And so you could argue that, of course, maybe he had a moment and he changed his mind. I mean, you could argue anything, right? But what's interesting is when you align all of the history, it's very clear that this was something that was done from a group of people that wanted control, that was that were willing to align themselves with the very entity that now becomes the justification for their existence. Like it doesn't really make much sense until you realize that Zion was really seeking power at any at all costs, essentially, and including and there's a very alarming document. And this is the kind of stuff my to my point in the beginning that if without due diligence, just hearing this, you're going to choose to reflexively dismiss something like this because it sounds extreme. But it's a CIA document. I've discussed it live on my show. You can mm-hmm. see it right on CIA.gov where they're discussing at this time that the Zionists were willing to sacrifice. That's exactly the term sacrifice the Jews in Arab nations to achieve their state. So it's like, again, wow. you maybe want to contort that into, well, they were so desperate to save themselves that they were willing to sacrifice some of them. But you have to realize that at the time, this was not about Jews making these decisions. This was Zionists making these decisions about Jews. And re- and they, they stated, in, in, as far as the CIA wrote down in their own documentation, they were willing to sacrifice their own people to achieve this. And so you can't really reconcile that with the way that this is presented today. Now, last point on this segment, this sec- section of our talk here. You could argue that they changed right that it's over the time things have shifted and changed but i think it's quite obvious what we're seeing today it, it's it's represented it goes right back to the origins of what they were what they stated they wanted mm. to accomplish and what they've done the first nakba what followed i mean it's very obvious and actually just one more thing to your point about the ceasefire i mean man i i i i, I it's so overwhelming to me how frustrating that is that people would say mm. You calling for ceasefire is somehow calling for violence against anybody is mind blowing to me, seeing as how it's a ubiquitous statement that everybody stops violence. It's so crazy. And I think that's Mm -hmm. indicative of what we're talking about today, manipulating basic things in in order to manipulate emotions of people to achieve political ends. And clearly calling Mm -hmm. for a ceasefire is the exact opposite of calling for violence against anybody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's very frustrating. It's it's something that I just don't understand. It's 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 not human. It's almost anti-Christian, if you like, to sort of take that view that you know you get people say to me, "Oh well, Hamas did this, so Israel have got to go and bomb these hospitals in order to destroy one Hamas fighter, but then you know kill uh, however many hundreds women and children and men as well." I I just it it doesn't comprehend with me to be honest, but I can see how people are manipulated, and there's so much cultural manipulation i mean the number one is that if if you even speak about these things someone will come along and say oh you're anti-semitic and that is a right. really well it was a powerful smear word i think it's losing its power now to be honest that that's one of the things but you also see how there's been ideas planted in society through educational institutions going back decades and so on but what i i'm really Um, concerned about is how the politicians that make decisions, the people that inhabit the Houses of Parliament, Congress in the USA, and so on. Do you think that they are influenced, you know, in a a more, you know, in a deeper and, and more insidious way by Zionists in order to support the Zionist cause and movement?
3: Yes, 100%. I'm glad you asked that again, because that was part of your earlier question. And that, that's mm-hmm. that's actually a very important part of this. And mm-hmm. again, think about how interesting it is for us to be able to say, hey, I'm concerned that this foreign entity, whoever, from wherever, mm-hmm. has undue influence over our policy, mm-hmm. and for that to be framed as racist. Or, I mean, I guess you could try to argue that you only think that because they're foreign. I mean, there's a fair maybe argument for for intent, but how would you possibly know what we intend? But the point being that what we're really arguing is a broad sense that we can see that this government, not race, ethnicity, nationality, but this government has undue influence over policy here. It's just wild to me that these things can be framed anything other than the most obvious concern. The point would be make it about any other government you want. Make it about Germany. Any, it doesn't matter. Make it about any country in Europe. And the mm. fact that you can prove, and this is the point, prove that they have overwhelming influence on the outcome of what your government is deciding, that should be alarming to anybody, anywhere. And you can prove this right now. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, just to make it very simple in regard to Israeli. You know, the Israeli government have clear influence over what we're talking about here in this country. And that's made clear just by the fact that we're watching Biden basically destroy his entire political career just to be able to maintain his support for a genocide, even Mm -hmm. though he's slowly walking it back right now. But I mean, it's 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 important to see that, for instance, a very small example, I think I forget who it was. And it doesn't even matter. A, a, A politician made a point to say "APAC lobbies. Our politicians and influences what they're doing. And yeah. people lost their minds. They were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're racist. You're a bigot. You're anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. And I stood back and I said, wait a minute. So you're you're upset that you just said that a lobbying group lobbies Washington. <laughs> like, think about how ridiculous that is. <laughs> that's what their job yeah. is, right? That's literally what they're paid to do. And that's what they do. And they're and, and lobbying, which, by the way, I don't think should exist, is literally using money to achieve political outcomes. So you're you're bribing politicians. <laughs> So the point's hilarious to me is that that was another example of how sensitive and over the top. And, you know, the point was you're not allowed to highlight that, even though we know everybody else does it because we're already sensitive to that, because I think it shows like a guilty conscience, if you were from like an Israeli Zionist mentality Hmm. that, you know, you're doing that. And again, it's a provable reality that you can see all of the overlaps in regard to how they influence the outcome. Now, a very sensitive topic in all of this. And again, I agree. And I think this is one that can be misrepresented understood misrepresented misinterpreted even is that the conversation of dual nationality and again mm. i would make the same point about this in the other conversation it should be alarming that y- that in any sense you have half or a large portion of your politicians who have nationality with one specific yeah. other country that should be alarming to anybody And again it doesn't mean it's inherently wrong but to me from, a, from my political perspective i think that it shouldn't make sense that you are from another country and you're making decisions in this country i don't think any other country even does that or let alone lets you be in your military like we just saw with one of our members of congress who literally in the united states who showed up in his idf uniform it's like there's that's a weird problem right there right and so that really is made Go ahead i'm sorry
1: you, you want to comment that, sorry that re- that really that really is quite disturbing we've only got a few seconds left um oh, ryan okay, time flies i want to but, you know that honestly point, i i I find, I find that very disturbing as well um the people have got dual nationality and then you you know they're, they're happy to say that themselves but if you question it then you're labeled an anti-semite or something just quickly ryan uh where can people find out more about you uh 10 seconds oh f- dang it okay unfortunately i really
3: want to finish that point because i don't it's sorry. context but you, lastamericanvagabond.com uh, where you can find all of our work. Thank you, brother, for having me on. I really enjoyed the Thank conversation. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have you on again. I'd love to speak to you more. This is today, um, you. today's news talk, TNT.